0: Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not. You do you. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the worst podcast on Mars, also known as This Podcast Sucks. This is Amanda.
1: I'm a chicken in a skin suit.
0: Seriously? You can't even say. God damn it. I hate this episode already. This is the podcast where we talk history and cultural impact to some of the biggest albums of all time. Should I even bother asking how you are this week?
1: You can ask me how I feel.
0: How do you feel?
1: Fantastic.
0: <laughs> You're an idiot. So um, I'm going to ask, but I know the answer is no. Any corrections from last week?
1: No. I'm perfect. We've gone through this before. I'm perfect.
0: God, you're such a liar. Just back on the bullshit already. All right. I don't think I have any corrections either, um, so I guess we'll move forward. This week, we're um, going to talk Highway 61 Revisited by Bob Dylan. This was released August 30th, 1965, and it is number eight on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list. Um. Do you want to start history of the album and all that stuff this time around? Change I, it up a little bit?
1: I can start a little bit, but I got really distracted. Get Couldn't focus on getting this one done, so you might have to carry this one a little bit.
0: Okay, I think I can do that. So why don't you take it away?
1: Shit. <laughs> I lost my place. Oh well, we'll be fine. Uh, so... Real quick, do you know what highway were, what the significance of Highway sixty one even is?
0: That's one of the points I took off of my notes before I emailed them to you.
1: Okay. So <laughs> yes. Yes,
0: I do. But for everybody listening, Evan, why don't you share? No,
1: I'm not gonna step on your toes. I mean, I know you're I...
0: literally in my space all the damn time, and now I... you're not gonna step on my toes. I know I
1: got giant feet. but I'm not gonna step on your toes this time.
0: Okay, well then, do you want me to bring it up now then? Yeah, sure. So the name of this is Highway sixty one. It's based off a real highway called Highway sixty one. Um, but do you think I can find it in my notes right now where that is? No. Nope. Oh, here it is.
1: Unprepared.
0: <laughs> well, it's not in the order. I don't know. I it just I do my notes weird, so. It's Highway 61, and um, the, the highway connects his birthplace in Minnesota to cities in the south where music like this played a huge part, so St. Louis, Memphis, and New Orleans, and so Dylan was really in love with the music in those areas, which, do you know what kind of music that is?
1: Uh, I have the musicians that were kind of... Born around that, so I'm assuming it's the same Yeah, type so, thing, like that early rock, the kind of the blues.
0: Blues and jazz. So like jazz morphed into blues, blues morphed into like early rock and roll, but those are the big three city, three big cities that are heavily influenced by that. But that's, this highway connects where he's from to the music he loves, so.
1: Do you know who was born kind of close to that? Did you get that? No. Uh Muddy Waters. Uh and I'm gonna skip over the two I don't know and Elvis. We're kinda born within
0: Well, the two names you don't know.
1: Uh Sunhouse. Okay. And Charlie Patton. Okay. Well, no either of those. Um do you know who Bessie Smith was? Mm-hmm. So she was in a car accident on Highway sixty one and later died from the injuries. Okay. Um, so Highway sixty one connects with rap 49. Do you know what that is?
0: A street. <laughs>
1: what okay, is I'll this? I'll I'll give you a name and then you can tell me if you know what that is. Robert Johnson. Who that? Crossroads. So that was Oh,
0: like like the cream?
1: Well, it was it was originally Robert Johnson's song.
0: Okay, but that's yeah. the Yeah,
1: it was late 20s. Okay. Uh, is alleged to have sold his soul to the devil at the highway's crossroads.
0: Oh, so they talk a lot about that in Supernatural. Good <laughs> <laughs> he summoned the devil.
1: So I'm guessing that's going to be your recommendation.
0: It it is now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Highway 61 is his first full rock outing. I mean, other than Desolation Row, it's electric. And I don't have the, I don't have the thing. But uh, do you know about the whole Judas thing? The concert.
0: I mention a concert, but I don't use the word Judas. Where he got called Judas? No.
1: Okay. So do look. Just,
0: do you just want me to go through my stuff first because you seem highly unorganized
1: right no. now? No. No. So. We'll look that up at a later date and throw that in corrections, as long as somebody reminds us to about the concert with Judas.
0: And what you mean by that is that I remind you to do it, because you can't take responsibility for anything you do.
1: I can. I don't like to, but I can. So, he was touring for the album before this. Uh, What was it? Bringing it all back home. And he was going to quit. Like I'm done. I was very, I was very drained. I was playing a lot of songs I didn't want to play, so he said I'm about done. And then in the spring of '65, he produced a freestanding lyric of 20 pages. Do you have this? Mm-mm. So it was 20 pages of lyrics that he cut it down to. I think it was four verses and a chorus, and it became like a rolling stone. He has likened it to this long piece of vomit, but the catharsis, even epiphany of its creation, led him to resolve to carry on. So, essentially, this word vomit is why this album exists. Okay. Um, do you know how old he was? Yes. How does that make you feel?
0: Yeah, so, I'll just skip to that note. So, um... Like, I wrote that it was the start of Dylan's period of relentless creativity. So, like, with this, it was, like, the jumping point of him moving forward. Um, he left other artists to play catch-up, and he was only 25 years old. So, I don't remember the quote.
1: He was 24 when it was, when it was out. But, yeah, he was 25 at the point.
0: I wish that Ding. the death glare I was giving you right now was audible.
1: Audio, audio medium.
0: I can't. There are no words to describe.
1: Yes, sir. You just never learned them. Thank you, Monkey Island, for teaching me great comebacks.
0: I, I'm going to throat punch you. Continue with your notes.
1: I interrupted you. You're the one that was speaking.
0: Yeah. I'm done.
1: Uh, so he basically took all the, the rough edges for bringing it all back home. Uh, Stirred them into a mix of electric rock, pop, and blues music. Assembled a group of musicians that he just kind of found on the street. Probably probably not like on the street, but that they were on... Maybe they were in a house that was on a street. So it's the same thing. Okay. And it became... uh, I think it became the band. So they were there his... Pretty much his backing band. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he took them, uh, assembled a group of musicians he hoped would follow him into battle and proceeded to lay down one of Rock's all-time greatest albums. Um, so it's a couple different recording sessions. It looks like the first session was a couple days and then took some time off to write. And then he recorded a bunch more. The second day of the first session was just for like Rolling Stone. I think it. I think I read it was. Uh, okay, it was. Attempted a further 15 times that day to get it right. He just played that song for just on repeat mm-hmm. to get it right because he would consistently have an idea. He, he'd he be recording something like, ooh, shiny. Okay, I'm going to try this now. Yeah, i have try this. And it was... Uh, there's so many different versions and there's just so many different wasted things. Um, dozens of takes, messing with the rhythms, tempos, styles, all that. So, ends up recording the album. There's a song called Positively Fourth Street that was recorded during the sessions that was left off of the album um and then getting to the title really quick really quick he was talking with his with a biographer he said i wanted to call that album highway 61 revisited nobody understood it i had to go up the fucking ladder until finally the word came down and said let him call it what he wants to call it." (laughs) they're like just just do what you do Um, and since I am completely scattered, I will let you chime in and see if I can find anything else to add.
0: All right. Good job. Going first. Yay, team. (laughs) So, Highway 61 was actually Dylan's second album release of 1965, Bringing It All Back Home. Is it Bringing It All Back or Bringing It All Back Home?
1: I think it's Bringing It All Back Home.
0: Okay. Uh, So, anyway, that one was being released... Well, was released in March, this one came out in August, and it was his sixth studio album. So he's just plugging away and chugging them, you know, getting them out. Um, the reason for this sound is he was he was tired of the folksy description that followed him around everywhere. He Like you kind of said, he just like threw it in a blender. So he took his music, added more of an electric rock feel, mixing it with blues and pop, out came Highway 61 and this album is now considered to be one of rock's all-time greatest albums and it marked the first time where none of the tracks featured Dylan with just his guitar. Okay, cuz I,
1: I I'm, I'm trying to hear Desolation Row in my head cuz I don't hear a lot of everything else, but I think there's a I think there's a bass with it.
0: Yeah, there's always something. Desolation Row is the how do I want to word it? It's it's the one song that feels out of place with the rest of the album.
1: I think it's because it's acoustic.
0: Yeah, but there's something else with it. Whereas before this, it was just Dylan guitar done. Um, so you wanted to say the thing about the new songs were being recorded on the spot, or do you just want me to say it?
1: I kind of already said.
0: Did you? Yeah. Okay. Um so I do want you to listen to me. Yeah, I zoned out. <laughs> the album is a blend of anger and doom with a hint of the apocalypse. It's funny, too, which what is what makes it interesting. You have all these different things, and it ties together what America was going through in the mid-60s, connecting it to the impending future. So the time that this came out, there's a lot going down in America. And, like, we, we've talked before that the '60s was a very, very big turning point for a lot of different movements. I mean, you had the civil rights movement. You had this
1: is just a couple years after Kennedy.
0: Yeah, you had Kennedy. You had the Cuban Missile Crisis. You had um, Stonewall Riots. So, like, each group kind of had their moment, and there were like these big things happening, and it was just, like all back to back to back to back to back, and That's so right. like. He he takes this and he, he writing his lyrics. It's all the appending apocalypse, but he's funny about it too. Like you know, um, Don, is it McLean, American Pie, mm-hmm. that line the jesters sing for the king and queen, mm-hmm. that the jesters Bob Dylan that he's talking about. So it's like he's
1: which is which is weird because when you consider that man, whole thing, because that's what fifties, yeah. Cause that was what Buddy Holly, shit, um,
0: Richie Valens.
1: Yeah, there's one more
0: and Big Bopper. Um, Big Bopper, yeah. So it's you know it. He he's he's like Bob Dylan is kind of like what I consider us today. You have that morbid sense of humor, like so he's he's being serious, but he's like doing it in a very morbid, funny kind of way. That's how I understood it. Um, so we talked about him being 24 slash 25, depending on who is speaking at the moment. Um, Highway 61 was biblical, epic, draining, harrowing, hilarious, and most of all, brilliant. Dylan painted his masterpiece, and he wasn't even 25 years old.
1: So there you go. He was 24.
0: Shut your face. What were you doing at 25? Oh, your face. <laughs> Whoa! whoa. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. But it's to think that, like, you hit this momentum and you hit this big mark and you're not even 25. It's like, and, I feel like shit. <laughs> and
1: it was not even his first album. Right. It was, what, his seventh? Sixth.
0: Yeah. Seventh. Oh, well. So... With this album, it slowly brought Dylan into the mainstream, and you can hear a variety of musical themes such as folk rock, blues, and garage rock as the album progresses. Dylan proved that rock and roll didn't need to be tame in order to be, quote, literate, poetic, and complex. So, he was taking this music and writing lyrics to it that made you think. And... It was something something new. Rock and roll didn't need to be boppy and and all that stuff. It, he made it a complex thing. Um, and this album is credited for the start of rock culture, including post Beatle pop rock. Even though it came out in 1965, it's considered to be the sound of the 60s, meaning that the idea of what we consider to be 60s music came from this album, which... When I read that, like, but before we did this episode, I knew a few songs off of this. I didn't know the album as a whole. I knew, I knew some of his songs.
1: I'm, I'm guessing you knew the same ones. I did. There's like Rolling Stone. Yeah. Ballad of a Thin Man. You, yeah. you may not have known it by name.
0: Yeah, but I've heard them before. And, didn't know they were from this album. Yeah, Desolation Row. Yeah. So, but when I read that, I was like, oh, I, I get that. It's. It makes me think, like, I could say this is from the 60s. You know, it's, I I got that. And then, so my last thing, and this might be what you were talking about, the Judas comment. So Dylan was famously booed during his performance at the Newport Folk Festival in 65 for playing an electric set. Why that's important, though, is because this event happened right in the middle of him recording this album. And he did not take his... off of what he was doing he wanted to continue this idea and he he had this idea and this ideal sound that he wanted to create and even though people like he knew people were gonna be angry that he was pulling away from the folk sound he kept going anyway creating this powerful record so I didn't have specifically what they shouted or whatever but so he was recording had this sound in mind went to this festival, kind of tested the waters, and people were like, fuck you, fuck you, I hate you. And he's like, yeah, well, fuck you right back. I'm going to keep going. And so it, it, I thought that was interesting. He, a lot of people, when they get criticized, especially when you're putting yourself out there in front of a crowd, when, if you get criticized, it's easy to pull back and go back to what people like just to be accepted. And he was like, fuck it, I'm doing my own thing. And it went, it went over really well um and my last note like a rolling stone is dylan's most popular song having been performed over two thousand times in concerts
1: and i wonder how many of those have been performed on the never ending tour you know about that no he's been i think uh, since like the mid 80s he's been touring consistently oh yeah yeah he's been he's been on tour for the last 40 years it's like okay I'm, i'm gonna keep going
0: so do you have anything else, any other points to add, or did I cover them all now?
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say they're all covered.
0: Okay, that's fair. So if you don't have anything else to add, I guess we'll move on to the cultural impact and reviews.
1: Yeah, and I think that's yours.
0: Okay, so um, the single, Like a Rolling Stone, peaked at number two, and it was his best on the charts of, like, any album. Um, this album peaked at number three in the u.s and four in the uk in august of 1967 the album was certified gold and my last thing here what did you just raise your hand Mm -hmm. what you have no problem interrupting me at any other time and then you just raise your hand while we're audio recording every goddamn episode i have to tell you this is an audio thing nobody can see you raise your hand
1: (laughs) is this the first one that wasn't into the uh library congress
0: i did not see anything i didn't either so i'm gonna assume yes but maybe that's another thing you should check on and we can add to corrections next time yes maybe so um when we talk sergeant pepper's You mentioned that it was boring and Mm -hmm. that what you meant by that was that when you listened to it, it was like you got it and you understood it from the first listen. There wasn't really anything that you thought to be gained as you listened to it again and again. Please don't
1: bring up past traumatic events. I'm trying to get over them.
0: Are you kidding? God, shut up. Traumatic? You think, you think Sergeant Peppers is a traumatic event? Oh my God!
1: No, you calling it boring is a traumatic event.
0: Yeah, I did. You called it. What is happening?
1: Words are coming out of your mouth.
0: You called it boring. You prove it. You, we recorded it. God, you woke up the cat. You did. You, um, so anyway, what you meant by that was that through your first listen through, you're like, okay, this is the song. I don't need to listen to it again. Because it wasn't doing anything for you further listens. So with Highway 61, it's one that you have to listen to over and over. And then you start to get more pieces of the puzzle hearing something new each time. The lyrics were noted as being light years ahead of anyone else's. What I wanted to do with this, because, you know, in every episode we listen to the album and we talk a little bit about it, how, like our feelings and, and thoughts about it. I wanted to listen to it. A few times um, and I just I didn't have a chance to I have heard you know we talked about the few songs I know I have heard those multiple times but I really wanted to listen to it as a whole so I think I would like to go back and listen to it again because I, I think that's right and it's well I'll talk more about that later but I think I think he's got a lot to say it's just interpreting it if that makes sense okay So, continue with your stuff.
1: Okay. So, it was received well when it came out. Uh, Critics were impressed, confounded, and fascinated by it. And I don't think anybody then knew what to think of it. And I don't think anybody now really knows exactly what to make of it. Um, It has since been described as one of his best works and among the greatest albums of all time. Um, Kind of related to this And I'll get to that in a second Did you know he won a Nobel Prize for Literature?
0: No, I didn't know that In
1: 2016 Okay And you look at songs Like the, the, the specific song that they're mentioning Is Desolation Row And you can see A multitude of figures Both real and fictitious As it unfolds like an epic poem It's approaches like this that justify him winning the Nobel Prize for Literature. Okay. Um, And he's being studied in both music and creative writing classes still.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Um, In 2003, Rolling Stone called it one of those albums that changed everything. Which I think we've already kind of touched on a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's a little nugget for you.
0: No. Is it a Chicky Nuggie? Yes. Chicky Nuggie.
1: Okay. Steve Jobs cited From a Buick Six as his favorite track ever.
0: Can I tell you something about that? Okay. Every time I was reading that, like, that song title, From a Buick Six... And I even had to stop here and think of what it was because there was a Stephen King book called From a Buick 8. And I kept <laughs> like, kept a, yep. calling it 8. Yep, 8 that's 8. what I was
1: just going to, I was going to say that if you hadn't, that that's what you were thinking of. Uh, I meant
0: to look and see if, if, because it's been a long time since i read that book. But I meant to look to see if th- that song influenced the book and he just switched up the numbers.
1: Yeah, that I... You're the you're the nerd who reads. I don't know.
0: Thank you for calling me a nerd. Please continue your stuff before I throw a book at you.
1: I'd throw a book at you, but mine are all digital and they're comic books and they're light.
0: Don't assault me. Continue.
1: Um So you said how in that that creative groove, within a few months he'd start working on Blonde on Blonde, which is one of the first double albums. Mm-hmm. So he's like I think that was released beginning of 66 mm-hmm. maybe end of 65 so it's possible that in a 12 month period he put out three albums including a double album. Yeah.
0: I, well I think this is like like so important for him it's not so much like yeah it did a lot for music and other artists and whatnot, but this was a big turning point for him you know that he he finally found what he was looking for and he was able to just plug plug like i can't talk oh he was able to just continue turning out these albums and just making new music but i don't think that would have happened if he didn't find it you know what i mean so
1: you know who should take advice from him then
0: Am I going to like this answer? No. no. what? Bono. Why?
1: Because Bono still hasn't found what he's looking for.
0: Oh, for the love of God.
1: Uh, I'm, Jesus. I'm looking up the discography real quick. Maybe.
0: I can't. I I hate you and your dad jokes. I'm mad about this.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, Blonde on Blonde came out in 66. So that answers that question. Um, I know since I brought it up and I can find it real quick, the never-ending tour. hmm Um, maybe not, because it's not loading anymore. Uh, okay. Commenced, on uh, in June of 88. It's played roughly 100 dates a year since. Um... By April 19, he and his band have played more than 3,000 shows. Um, Yeah, there's a... In January, it was announced there's a tour starting on March 3rd and ending on April 14th. Okay. Like, it just plays a handful of shows and then just, like, fucks off for a couple months. It's like, okay. It's like... It's like herpes. Like he shows up every once in a while, stays here, and then just kind of goes away for a bit, and then comes up for another hundred, another dozen shows. That was not planned at all. That was just kind of a spur of the moment thing. <laughs> which is great because a lot of these comments from me are just spur of the moment.
0: Oh my god. Alright. Do you have anything else to say or do you want to get into personal reviews?
1: Uh No, because I'll probably <laughs> get a lot of hate again. So are we playing the the same game with the reviews? That we tried last time?
0: Um. Oh, guessing each other's rating? Yeah. Yeah, do you want to guess mine?
1: Okay, let me pull up the track list. Okay. Again. Come on. I don't have anything pre- pre-loaded, which I probably should. Okay. So I'm going to guess, in terms of tracks, you like... Like a Rolling Stone. Um, okay. Maybe Tombstone Blues. Okay. Uh, Ballad of a Thin Man. And Desolation Row. Okay. Uh, since you're old, you like old things like the '60s music. So I'm going to say B plus, A minus.
0: <laughs> okay aside from the fact that the 60s is one of my favorite decades of music, so you can go fuck right off but i'm gonna say my reviews and then i'll give you whether or not you're right okay um so like other artists that we've talked about so far dylan he's not one of my favorites and again that's not saying he isn't bad i think he's he's great it's just not one that i'm going to listen to over and over and over again he's he's just not for me um, I really do admire his lyrics. He's, I think he's a great lyricist in, in just trying to decipher what he's trying to say. I think that's, that's, that's a lot of fun in some cases. Um, but the one really thing, great thing about art, especially the written word, is that you, as the listener, reader, or viewer, you can interpret that into however you want to take it based on your own personal experiences. So, while Dylan, and he's writing about something in particular related to the 60s, I think it transcends just that one time period. And you can apply it to anything today. You can listen to these lyrics and fit it into what's going on now in the world or what's going on in your life. And um, so, that being said, my least favorite song was Tombstone Blues. Because it was just meh.
1: And I said that and i have the track list i don't remember the lyrics and fr- i it was a couple hours ago so i don't it's not fresh but i remember oh that's a that was a song that stands out
0: mm-hmm. my favorite song you guessed it was like a rolling stone yep. it's, it's my favorite dylan song overall i just i really like it i love everything about it like right from the beginning it just it takes me to a happy place and my overall rating I gave it an A-, minus. so mm-hmm. good for you, you get a cookie. Woo! Yeah. Woo! So, my guess for you. You are... Weird. A difficult human being.
1: I've been called that many times, I'm assuming, by you.
0: Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that you purposefully didn't give it a high rating... Because you are not quote-unquote basic, and you have to be difficult to be difficult, and you don't like something just because everybody else likes it, because re-difficult human being. Okay. As far as favorite song and least favorite song, well, I I okay. don't know because I, I don't have the full track listing ahead of me, but I was, I'm going to say Desolation Row is probably one of the songs you'd keep.
1: Yeah, do you want the track list?
0: Can I give you my rating?
1: Well, I didn't know if you wanted to no, To no, guess the songs no. that I kept.
0: No. Okay. I guess, I guessed one. That's enough. I'm going to say you gave it a B, just a straight B. Yep. I got it right?
1: Yep. And there's two other songs that I would keep.
0: Uh, I'm going to say Like a Rolling Stone. Yep. And Tombstone Blues, only because you thought I would keep it.
1: Nope. Ballad of a Thin Man.
0: Okay. So what's your review on it?
1: That those are the three. That's, it? That's it. Like you don't well,
0: have, you don't bring anything to the table.
1: I brought the mics to the table. I bring food to the table.
0: fuck's sake. Come so, on, So
1: uh, it's going to go in my final thoughts a little bit. So, I don't think I'm smart enough to understand the album. I don't think I'm smart enough to understand Dylan in general.
0: I you know, I kind of thought the same thing. About but, me
1: or in general?
0: Yes. Um but you know, he it's so complex we were not born in that time like we so we're only getting the history of that time period based on the history in that we learn in school which is very very whitewashed We're also getting you know based on movies and books and shows that we see and read but again you're getting it from one point of view we weren't there we weren't yeah. seeing things at the time. So Dylan is taking what he is seeing at the time and writing about it. And now we're trying to decipher it many moons down the road. And it's hard. It's hard to to do that. And I think as it goes on, it's going to be harder and harder for regular regular people to do that. For what? Normal people. to did, did,
1: did you say regular-dagular? I did. Okay.
0: And, you know, unless you're... I think a, a historian who really, really, really knows their shit about this time period, you're really not going to understand what he's talking about. Or, you know, you sit down and you smoke pot and talk to Dylan himself. It's. I don't think
1: Dylan understands what he's talking about half the time.
0: But you know what I mean? So I don't think that it's, you're not, and yes, this is, this is recorded, but it's not that I don't think you're not smart enough to understand it. I just think you were not of a place in time to understand it, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Um, so I'm going to morph into my into a couple of my final thoughts, get ahead of myself, and then I will get to your final thoughts.
0: Okay. Um,
1: there are a couple of things I noticed, and I don't think this is intentional. I don't know if they were pulling from there. Uh, there. Are, I found at least... Two Iron Maiden references or things that they took from. There's possibly one more.
0: Wait, uh, wait. Iron Maiden took from Bob Dylan. Yeah. Okay, because the way you worded it, it made it sound like Bob Dylan took from Iron Maiden, and I did not think that was possible. Continue.
1: uh there's there's an Iron Maiden song, "Murders in the Rue Morgue," and "Murders uh, in the What?" Rue Morgue. That's a word. Two words.
0: Room. Rue. Rue. Morgue. Oh, like the French word rue? Yeah. For street? Yeah. Okay.
1: Because there's a, because the line, I think it's in Just Like Tom Thumbs Blues. This is uh, Rue Morgue Avenue.
0: It, what, Tom? I'm just just... sorry. Like, did you say Tom Thumbs Blues? Yes.
1: Just Like Tom Thumbs Blues.
0: Oh, so that's the Iron Main song.
1: No, that's the Bob Dylan song. Is just like Tom Thumb's blues. There's a line, Rue Morgue, and I immediately thought of Murders of the Rue Morgue by Iron Maiden.
0: Oh my god.
1: There's also I <laughs> you I
0: you did not leave enough breadcrumbs on this trail for me.
1: <laughs> I think it's in Highway Sixty One Revisited. Um he's talking about like the fifth daughter of the first husband, first father. You know vaguely which mm-hmm. part I'm talking about? I think it's the second mother is with the seventh son. And there's there's a whole... I believe it's the album, but it's the concept of seventh son of a seventh son. So I went I went there.
0: Okay. I think that's a bit of a stretch.
1: Like Armstrong.
0: Did you warm up before you did that? Yes. Good. I don't want you to pull anything over there.
1: And uh, I will say that desolation row is one of my top dylan tracks Mm
0: uh
1: your final thoughts
0: so overall it's a great album it was what dylan needed to continue his career um being that he was so unhappy with the folk label he was given i believe that he had had he stuck to that folk label he would have gotten tired with his music and kind of faded away this album, in a sense, revitalized Dylan and gave him the creative outlet he craved. And since it went over better than anticipated, he continued to push himself and grow as an artist. Um, I, think, I think it's good. I think he needed it. And like I said, I, you got to listen to it over and over and over again. And it's one like like you said, they, they study that in college. They study Dylan's lyrics. I, that's, this is the first album we've come to. So far that I think would be a great exercise in like a high school English class, just tearing it apart and doing an essay on it and, you know, figuring out the meaning behind everything instead of reading some of the boring stuff you got to (laughs) read.
1: So I will wait. Are you done?
0: I am done. Okay. How polite of you.
1: I forgot to mention something. And this is the perfect place to put it.
0: Surprise, surprise. Yeah,
1: because of my notes uh the organist said that nobody was really leading the session musically to the point where i could go out there and sit down at the organ and start playing it really sort of continued like that highway 61 to me is a very punk album because everything is unsupervised compared to blonde on blonde which is very arranged mm-hmm. I just happened to throw that in i was like i thought i've been i thought i going through my notes i was like
0: where where did that
1: oh i forgot to say that
0: (laughs) all right so sources
1: yes go
0: uh thank you to highway 61 revisited from bob thank you to 55 years ago bob dylan releases his masterpiece highway 61 revisited written by michelle nope that says michael (laughs) Michael Gallucci, published on August 30th, 2015, from ultimateclassicrock.com. Uh, thank you to How Bob Dylan Made Rock History on Highway 61 Revisited, written by Joe Levy. Levy? God damn. <laughs> published on August 30th, 2016 on Rollingstone.com. Thank you to Highway 61 Revisited Review by Stephen Thomas, Earl Wine, I think is how you say it. I am so very sorry if I butchered that. Um, No date on uh, allmusic.com. Thank you to Bob Dylan, Highway 61 Revisited. No author and no date on that one, but um, from discogs.com. Thank you to August... What? What's your face about? You are very distracting. No, go. God. Uh, Thank you to August 30th, Bob Dylan released Highway 61 Revisited 55 years ago in 1965. By a Swedish name, I'm going to totally butcher, and I am so very sorry. Halger Olsen, published, stop laughing at me. Stop it. Published August 30th, 2020, from borntolisten.com. And thank you to Highway 61, revisited on rock.fandom.com. Continue with your sources, sir.
1: Well, since you took most of mine... I found uh, 50 Reasons We Still Love Bob Dylan's Highway 61 Revisited by Jordan Bloom on August 30th, 2020 uh, on Consequence.net, which is there's a there's a series of articles they wrote called Give Me a Reason where they start looking back at mm-hmm. older albums and saying, OK, this is like 40 reasons we love this album. Is
0: that all you had? Okay. So do you have any recommendations for our listeners this week?
1: Uh, well, one's from the album before that's bringing it all back home. I said that Desolation Row is one of my favorites. Um, Bob Dylan's 115th Dream. If you want to talk about something that absolutely makes no sense and it's just stream of thought, check that one out. And I also really like Hurricane off of Desire.
0: Hurricane, that's the one about the boxer, right? Yeah. The movie that we have yet to watch? Yeah. Okay.
1: There are lots of movies we have yet to watch.
0: Yeah. So uh, I didn't have a recommendation coming into this, but uh, I'm going to use your recommendation for my recommendation of Supernatural <laughs> 15 Seasons uh, available on Netflix. <laughs> they they do, they, they come to the Crossroads Demon a few times. So uh, very interesting. Um, okay, so you ready to do our day in history? Yep. So we're recording on April 5th, so this day in history, I'm going to try to do the game like you like to play, but we'll see how well that works. Okay. So April 5th, 1975, Minnie Riperton, you may not know the name. Okay. Her song, Loving You. Okay, I'm not gonna sing it because it is obnoxious obnoxiously high.
1: I, okay, I think I know what song you're talking about.
0: Loving you is easy because you're beautiful. Do 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 Yeah, that one. Um, Copyright. I think isn't that Maya Rudolph's mom? I don't know. I think it is. Um, so it hit number one in the U.S. chart. Do you know who produced it? Phil Spector. Stevie Wonder. April fifth, nineteen seventy nine. That's a nine. Not- Duran Duran made their live debut at the Lecture Theater in Birmingham Polytechnic. There's no truth. Some of these, like I said, I can't. In 1980, REM played their first live gig at St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Athens, Georgia. Guess what it was for? No. A friend's birthday party. There were a lot of, um, like, first... When I was doing this one, I found a lot of, like, this one did their first live gig, this one did their first live gig. So, it's very interesting because the one we recorded on March 31st, there were a lot of, like, album releases all on the same day. Okay. So, I liked seeing this pattern. So, next one. April 5th, 1984. Marvin Gaye's funeral took place at the Forest Lawn Cemetery in L.A. Among attendees were Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, Quincy Jones, and Barry Gordy. Do you know those names?
1: Start. say for the first one again.
0: Smokey Robinson.
1: I know the name, but I don't know anything by him.
0: Stevie Wonder. Yes. Quincy Jones. Thriller. Yeah. And uh, Barry Gordy. Motown. They're all big Motown people. Uh, April 5th, 1985. We Are the World. Do you know that song? Michael Jackson? Yeah. Aired worldwide across 5,000 radio stations at 3.50 General Mountain Time.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, April 5th, 1994. Kurt Cobain committed suicide. His body wasn't discovered until April 8th. Yes. Air quotes. <laughs> April 5th, 1998. The Spice Girls performed their very first live UK concert in Glasgow. 2002. Blaine St- Staley... Allison Chains. Allison Chains was found dead in his home from a mixture of heroin and cocaine. It was reported that he only weighed 86 pounds. He was six feet tall, and he his partially de- decomposed body had to be identified by dental records. 2007, April 5th, 2007. Mark St. John. Do you know who that is? Not offhand. He's the third Kiss guitarist. Okay. Died from a brain hemorrhage at the age of 51. 2011, at the 17th anniversary of Cobain's death, a statue was unveiled as a tribute to Cobain in his hometown of Aberdeen, Washington. April 5th, 2012, the inventor of the Marshall amplifier, Jim Marshall, died at the age of 88. So do you know why, like, that's big? Like, who that is?
1: Like, the distortion and all that, which led into, kind of like, the and.
0: Yeah. So his amps were used by major rock guitarists such as Hendrix. Clapton, Page, Cobain, Van Halen, and Slash. Forward Slash, not Backward Slash. (laughs) You hate me right now. And my last one, you may not know. April 5th of 2019, Sean Smith, not our Sean Smith, but a different Sean Smith, a singer and songwriter passed away at 53 due to complications from diabetes. Do you know why I mentioned this?
1: Uh, you want me to figure out the band? No. Okay.
0: So, who else did I mention died this day? Cobain. And? Staley. Staley. It marks a strange coincidence that he passed away on the same date as Cobain and Staley, as all three were from the Seattle area. So, it's a weird coincidence. Yeah. Okay, you want to guess birthdays? Okay. Peter Grant. Do you know who that is? Nope. Manager of one... Led Zeppelin.
1: Okay, so
0: 42.
1: 1935. Okay, I was going to say 39 because he would have been 30 when the first album came out. So I guessed a little younger.
0: Dave Holland.
1: Nope, don't know who that is.
0: Judas Priest, drummer from 79
1: to 89. Oh, okay. Uh, So he would have been 54, 55?
0: 48. Okay. Mike McCready. Nope. Guitarist and one of the founding members of Pearl Jam.
1: Okay, so that would have been... uh, It would have been... 23, so... 63?
0: 65. You're getting closer. Paula Cole.
1: I know the name. That's the first. Like,
0: the Dawson's Creek theme song.
1: Nope, not even going to (laughs) try.
0: We'll play it for you afterwards. I know, every time I hear it, I think of the one episode of Family Guy when Peter was singing it. But, 68. And my last one is Pharrell Williams.
1: He's a lot older than you think he is. Yeah. Uh, But if
0: you notice, they go in chronological order. Because
1: he was in... Wasn't he a nerd? Isn't mm-hmm. that the band? Mm-hmm. So that was. That would have been the 80s, I think. 80s, 90s. So you would think like early 70s then.
0: Do you have a number? Two. 73. So good job.
1: Okay. So now I have a game for you.
0: A, a game so. for moi?
1: Yes. So I just handed you the tablet yes with the liner notes for highway 61. It, yes. And I want you to read them.
0: Like all of it?
1: Yes. This is written this is Bob Dylan's liner notes for the album. Yes.
0: Okay. okay. <clears throat> A dramatic reading of Bob Dylan's liner notes for Highway 61. Revisited. On the slow train, time does not interfere, and at the Arabian crossing waits White Heap. The man from the newspaper, and behind him, the hundred inevitables made of solid rock and stone. The Cream Judge and the Clown. The dollhouse where Savage Rose and Fixable live, simply in their wild animal luxury. Autumn, with two zeros above her nose, arguing over the sun being dark, or Bach is as as famous as its commotion that and that she herself not orpheus is a logical poet am i the logical poet nope that's not a question i am the logical poet. poet she screams spring spring is only the beginning she attempts to make cream judge jealous by telling him of down-to-earth people and while the universe is erupting she points to the slow train and prays for rain and for time to interfere she is not extremely fat but what that's fucking rude She's not extremely fat but rather progressively unhappy. How does fat and unhappy connect? Like I know plenty of happy people who are not stick figure. For fuck's sake. Okay, where are the cream fat um yeah The hundred inevitables hide their predictions and go to bars and drink and get drunk in their very special conscious way. And when Tom Dooley, the kind of person you think you've seen before, comes strolling in with white heap, the hundred inevitables all say, Who's that man who looks so white? Why did I say it like that? And the bartender, a good boy, and one who keeps the buffalo in his mind, says, I don't know, but I'm sure I've seen the other fellow someplace. Why? What is my voice right now? What is his accent? And when Paul Sargent, a clothes man from 4th Street, comes in at 3 in the morning and busts everybody for being incredible, nobody really gets angry, just a little illiterate most people get and Rome, one of the hundred inevitables whispers, I told you so, to Madame John. Savage Rose and Fixable are bravely blowing kisses to the jade hexagram Carnaby Street and to all the mysterious juveniles and the cream judge is writing a book. There is no punctuation in this. There are, like, there are no sentences. No commas. No period. What, hap- what is happening? What? <clears throat> cream judge is writing a book on the true meaning of a pear. A pe- what? The true meaning of a pear. It's a fucking piece of fruit. There's no what? Evan, why are you making me do this? Evan. Evan. You're just laughing at me. Evan. Evan. Why are you making me do this? Go oh, away, true meaning of a pair. Last year. Oh hey, there's a period right there. But then the next the next letter is not capitalized like it should be. That's just poor English writing skills. I'm writing his elementary teacher. He wrote on one famous famous dogs of the civil war and now he has false teeth and no children when the cream met savage rose infixable he was introduced to them by none other than lifelessness lifelessness is a great enemy and always wears a hip guard he is very hip guard again bad grammar hip guard is not an adjective like what does that even mean i don't i don't understand i evan i don't what is hip guard but you're just staring at me blankly and I don't appreciate that lifelessness said when introducing everybody go save the world and involvement that's the issue and things like that so wait 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 wait, wait. okay hold on I have a question so he says go save the world but then he says involvement is an issue like don't those two like negate each other <laughs> like don't you have to be involved in order to save the world but that's it I do not understand what is happening. How much cocaine do you think Bob Dylan did before he wrote this? Like, do you really think it was cocaine or was it LSD? Or was it some other, like, was he on shrooms? Are shrooms the same thing as LSD? I don't, I'm just going to continue reading. I don't do drugs. (laughs) Where was I? Um, oh my god. Okay, involvement, that's okay. And things like that. And Savage Rose winked at Fixable and the cream went off with his arm in a sling singing, summertime the living is easy do you know what that's from do you do you have any idea what that's from it's from a musical called porgy and Bess, and it's very very good the clown appears puts a gag over autumn's mouth and says there are two kinds of people yeah people who gag other people but don't kink shame evan don't kink shame there are two kinds of people simple people and normal people that what <laughs> so like is he alright calling people, like, that they're either normal people, like, people all the same, and then dumb ones? You're either, there's, I don't understand. Okay. You just, again, with the blank stares, not appreciating that. You, you were either the one who made me read this, okay? Like, you literally handed me the tablet and we're gonna play a game. And you could, if, next time I demand jigsaw treatment, want to play a game. And you... Do a puppet on a little tricycle and come out. I'm getting way off course, okay? Uh, this usually gets a big laugh from the sand pit and White Peep sneezes. Pass it out, passes out and rips open Autumn's gag and says, What do you mean you're Autumn? And without you, there'd be no spring. You fool! Without spring, there'd be no you. What do you think of that? Then Savage Rose and Fixables comes by and kicks him in the brains ouch and color him pink for being a phony philosopher then the clown comes by and screams you phony philosopher and jumps on his head that I see a lot of problems here you were gagging people and then were curb stomping them like I just don't I don't like this um it jumps on this Paul Sargent comes by again in an umpire suit and some college kid who's read all about Nietzsche is it Nietzsche? Nietzsche comes by and says, Nietzsche never wore an umpire suit. And Paul says, you want to buy some clothes, kid? And I, I literally can't. And then Rome and John come out of the bar and they're going up to Harlem. We are singing today of the Wipeout Gang. The Wipeout Gang buys, owns, and operates the Insanity Factory. If you do not know where the Insanity Factory is located, you should hereby take two steps to the right, paint your teeth, and go to sleep. Those are not Directions those are not credible directions to the insanity factory the fuck i don't i don't i don't okay the songs on this specific record are not so much songs but rather exercises in tonal breath control the subject matter though meaningless as it is has something to do with the beautiful strangers the beautiful strangers vivaldi's green jacket and the holy slow train you are right john cohen quasimodo was right mozart was right I cannot say the word I anymore. When I speak this word I, is it if I'm speaking of somebody's eye that I faintly remember? There is no eye. There is only a series of mouths. Long live the mouths. Your rooftop, if you don't already know, has been demolished. I is plasma and you are right about that too. You are lucky. You don't have to think about such things as eyes and rooftops and Quasimodo. Evan, what the fuck did I just read? Like the fuck. The fucking fuck. So thank you for listening to another awful episode of our podcast. Um, Evan, you want to take us out? No? Shaking your head no? Okay, I'm going to do it again. So if you would like to reach out to us, please. Um, on Twitter, we are at Mars, And Instagram, we are at Mars, And send us a Gmail at worstpodonmars at gmail.com. Please and thank you. And also rate us nicely and leave a nice review better than two stars probably I hope do I sound desperate I sound desperate you're not responding at all you're just silently laughing this is miserable you don't help at all um next week we are doing black sabbath paranoid yes um okay see you then bye-bye